Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome back, you're watching Luck on Sunday. Now, earlier in the programme, both Rafe Beckett and Neil Channing suggested that one of the most important factors in terms of the sport's health in relation to betting in the next few years would be the success of the tote. The new tote, of course, because the tote as it stands is the new name, if you like, of Alizetti Partners, who acquired initially 25% of the existing pool betting operation from Fred Doan and have now this week completed the entire acquisition of, uh, of the pool betting operation from Fred Doan and the chief executive of the Tote UK, as we are now calling this uh, institution, quite rightly, is Alex Frost. And he is making a second appearance here on Luck on Sunday. Alex, good morning. Morning. And the first time you came, you came in when you were in the middle of quite protracted negotiations with Britbet, which was the consortium of UK racecourses who were trying also to start their own pool betting <coughs> operation before you sort of became yeah. one... I was going to say happy family, but one, <laughs> one family. And you couldn't really kind of give a bold vision for the future, but you can now, yes? Yeah, no excuses this time. So, yeah, so <clears throat> this week we completed the transaction, which mm -hmm. was essentially um, to go from being 25% owners to the full ownership of, yeah. of the tote. That was um, Thursday this week. So, yeah, it's been a, a busy week. <laughs> so just tell us how that came about. So, well, we're rolling right back. So three years ago, we set up a team to investigate and, and look at the opportunity. Um, and um, as of last year, we became 25% owners. So we've had decent insight into the business for the last 12, 14 months, in fact. And since then, um, you know, we've worked towards Thursday, which was you know, a, a big, big day for us, where we can actually get on and do the things we've, we've sort of set out to do. So what did you need to complete the deal? Money, I guess. Money was, was quite helpful. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> backing of the industry, um, backing of, of yeah, well, the shareholder base has been crucial to us. Um, getting what is actually 160 people together who have passion for the sport and for the prospect of, of dare I say, a better financial model. Um, and then, you know, a lot of M&A um, negotiations which went through various nights of, of the past sort of three or four months. So a lot of enthusiasm and, and drive. But crucially, you know, what we're trying to do here is trying to get the, the pool that is UK pool back to something that's respectable. Um, I think when you look at where we sit internationally, we're not even 1% of, of the global pool. And when you think we've got 25% of the world's Group 1 racing here, it's, it's, it's not quite an embarrassing state, but certainly there's room for improvement, should we mm. say. So... I think it's putting the pool back into the middle of the room and, and <clears throat> working out how everybody can benefit from it, whether it be media rights companies, whether it be you know, the sport more broadly itself, and um, for consumers making it a lot more exciting, a lot more engaging. Now, in order to get these 160 investors, and we'll talk about them a little yeah. bit more in a bit, yeah. you've had to be a bit of an evangelist for, for the prospects for pool betting. Yeah. You're either brilliant or you're crazy, and I can't work out which, because it would be fair to say that three years ago you wouldn't have found many evangelists for the future of pool betting in the UK, so why were you? I'd say, I think two things, really. Um, <clears throat> Travelling around the world, you, you see kind of how effective the pool is elsewhere. So I think that gave us great, great hope. And, um, but I think as well, if you look how transactions are done the world over now, um, you... you you see a world that's very, very different, particularly in things like capital markets trading. So stocks and shares, mm -hmm. you would be used to ringing out your stockbroker and, and asking for a price. That's, you know, done through a pool system now, effectively, where you've got, you know, 
it's a brilliant technology that's transformed that um, to the point whereby you know that's a very different process and what is most like that in, in wagering well it's, it's the pool and, and that's why you know dare I say, you know outside of this country um, particularly in Asia you've got tremendously efficient um, pool systems that that offer us massive massive hope and when you look at places like Japan you know Japan has a pool that's 25 billion dollars in size and the global pool is over a hundred billion dollars so maybe we are just this outlier and I think that's really kind of the conclusion we came to three years ago when we were looking at it in a lot of detail and within that you know if you put it back in the middle of racing there's mm. a there's a very decent prospect for a proper financial engine here uh, and of course there'll be so many people watching now who'll be saying well yes of course the pool has got yeah. a huge place in in the sport in all these other countries because they they are regulated they are sure. not deregulated <laughs> as we are and and they're not living in a landscape where fixed odds betting is the thing yeah and we are and gradually over time pool betting has been shunted to the margins through a combination of disinterest and mismanagement yeah that's partially correct but at the same time a i think they're you know, a lot of them are state-owned, so dare I say it, you know, I wanted to speak for them. Um, I think there's been a lack of ambition and drive and, and innovation. Um, but I don't think that's entirely correct. I think if you look uh, at most of these jurisdictions, that it's a fairly competitive environment. I mean, you look at Australia, and Australia has, has pool competing with fixed odds in a very rigorous way and has had for a long time. And while the pool's diminished in size, exotics there have got a lot bigger. So, in fact, the pool's actually, you know, maintained a very, very reasonable size. Um, if you look at places like Sweden, I mean, you know, you've still got a you know, very significant pool there, massive exotics, um, you know, really exciting propositions like the V75, which we're very excited by. Tell, tell me what that is. Well, it's just if you're darting around the world and, and you stop at the various places. So the V75 in Sweden, for example, mm-hmm. is, is their version of our Scoop 6, effectively. Right. But that's a you know it rolls through um, to either you know, somewhere between a five million pound uh, pool and, and and it's been as high as twenty five million. So if you put these bets framed the right way and if you get behind them the right way um, as an industry, you know they can be incredibly exciting and and we see a world whereby you know you can sort of have something equivalent to a national lottery type event. Okay, so how do you do that and how do you get the the heft, if you like, to market this and get that message out to enough people to want to bet into the pool? Yeah, well, it's I mean it's a challenge that that I think needs to embrace everybody and and I include sort of the international partners, which you know which we will go after hard and, and have already. Um, and you know, so so the ecosystem needs to be a much much bigger distribution. Mm-hmm. It needs to be you know heavily marketed, heavily invested in, and that's why we brought in you know, brilliant teams from you know other industries. And and dare I say, it, I think the sort of the proof of the pudding of, of our prospects is we're, we're seeing a lot of people from you know, senior executives from the rest of the industry come in and and, and support us and, and work with us. So just very very sort of proficient distribution partnerships with with racing so hence our, our partnership with BritBet is absolutely crucial um, partnership with, with international so i just make the pool that much more interesting and engaged huge amounts of data i think we've got a huge advantage in the sense we don't need people to lose for us to win do you know what i mean the nature of a pool is that you can become a sort of camelot type organization and just present it in a very different way which is, you know, we can make it as interesting as possible, we can give you as much data as possible, we can tell you as much about the horses as, as possible, because we want you to win. We don't need you to lose for us to win. So growing the pool is, is you know, and make it, you know, the, the, you shouldn't have to go and fill out a play spot form, you know, with a little bar that doesn't really work. 
we, you know, this huge opportunity to digitalize and make it a lot more appealing. Okay, so technologically you want to move it forward, you want to make it more customer friendly. To what extent has your impetus been forced by the way you view the relationship between punters and existing bookmakers in this country? I think it's quite, it feels quite confrontational at the moment. Um, and I think we've got an opportunity here with the amount of data we have. Um, and you look at things that are available, whether it be sectional timing, whether it be stride pattern lengths, whether it be just, just a better data present, presentation. You know, when you sort of Apple Music don't present things to you in a sort of draconian old school way, um, you know, there's a very different way that music gets presented to you now. So, you know, there, there are huge technological advancements that give us, you know, a much better way of presenting it. To, to customers now, which is hopefully very different to, to what's currently in offer. And we need to find those, you know, interesting ways. And so, you know, fixed odds, bookmakers, are, you know, it's a channel that we won't really sort of delve into too hard. What we will do is, is expand exotics, mm-hmm. tend to follows, very different products. While we'll, we'll lean on singles in, a, in a, some way, it'd be much more, you know, the likes of tend to follow and, and the, the sort of interesting pools and exotics that we think we can really make much more interesting. But do you think exotic betting, so betting exactors, trifectas, combination bets, do you think that that is ever capable of being culturally ingrained into the into the punter psyche in this country as it is elsewhere? No, I, I, I think there's, there's, you know, you look at the play spot, it's one of the most popular bets in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it already is, arguably. I think it's how you put it in front of people and make it interesting that that's our challenge. And you know, I think the idea of, you know, is it interesting right now when you fill out a form and, you know, it's, you're, you're choosing a place, for example, you're choosing from 140 horses on a Monday morning when you've got other things going on. There are different ways to present it to people. People are used to a sort of three-click Amazon experience, mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, we're presenting to them in, I think, very much the wrong way. Uh, we've had very smart people look at, you know, how it is currently and how it can be going forward. Okay, so, so, I, so I wake up on a Monday morning and I, I want to have a bet or I'm a punter. Yeah. So I say I'm a moderately serious punter and the play spot has become, the new tote play spot has become a big thing for me. How is it going to be presented to me in a more interesting, palatable, appealing way? Well, I, you know, I don't want to sort of um, plagiarise Apple Music or anything, but you can see a way where it can be presented to you. You know, if, you t- if you're telling us that you like picking a certain type of horse, then we can present you know, a, a short list of horses in a much more sort of digestible way. Um, I think there's an enormous amount we can do to make the sport much more interesting and, and you know, whether you have league tables around mm-hmm. your play spot. You know, I think the idea of, of, of winning one of these me- mega jackpots is one thing, but I think it's another thing when you've got ten of you in an office and you make a league table between yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that you know, you look at the prof- proficiency of, of fantasy league football and what that's done for the interest in football, and the interest in you know, you, you generally feel now that you, you know, you have real interest in those players. Um, and do you need to have a big bet? No, you don't at all. But you, you're, you're heavily engaged because you've got a, a, a league table at, at work going on. And it just, I think, but this gives us a great opportunity to broaden the sport. You know, I think the tote tend to follow is fantastic to me because that, that brings you closer to the enables and, and the big stars of the sport where you feel as though they, they're in your stable, they're in your team. You've got, again, a competition going on with, with friends. 
and it's less confrontational about kind of you versus um, you know somebody who's wanting to take your money and much more you know an interactive game between friends. How soon can we expect to see this? How, when will this be visible to me? Yeah, well, as I say, we've been in the seat for 48 hours, so it's, it's not going to be straight away, but you know we're probably a month away from getting some big things out there. Um, and you know it's uh, hopefully a better digital offering. Um, the Ten to Follow is going to launch um, next month for, for the National Hunt season, um, and then we roll from, roll from there. You know, we've got some very very exciting plans, but we've got a lot of you know consumer data that we've looked at. We you know people have been kind enough to fill out all sorts of, of forms for us to to make us better educated on what they want. Mm-hmm. And what have they told you? Um, they've told us that. Um, you know, things. There are some real barriers to entry at the moment, and and um, I think when you compare the singles offering to what they're getting, you know, the the, the price difference is is a problem. So we've got to sort of sit down and work that through to a logical way. There are some areas where it's you know it's it's the, the tote is a great proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally didn't appreciate that for the Grand National last year. You know, thirty nine out of forty uh, horses in the Grand National paid better on the tote. But I didn't know that because it was never presented to me. Um, so there are some races where it's really well put forward. I think we took great encouragement from things like Whirlpool. So Whirlpool, where um, um, under Ascot's guys, yep. um, we merged pools with, with Hong Kong for, for the festival. And that World worked? It's a huge success, you know, and that's, that's given us great encouragement, you know, um, in terms of that model going forward. It tells you if you bring international flow into, into the mix, it's, it's very, very exciting. Now, obviously, I have absolutely zero doubt that any of the 160 people that you've got to invest in this, some of them are seriously big players in the, in the city, and many of them well-known racehorse owners and breeders have racing's best interests at heart. But this is not an entirely philanthropic endeavour on there, but they want to make money as well. So how do you square that with the idea that it's all for racing's good? Sure. Look, it's it's. I think very simply put, they are bought into a business plan that's five years long. So they are here for five years and and very driven to make it work for five years, um, and well beyond that, frankly. Um, and this this project is a success if we can make the pool bigger and significantly bigger at that. Um, you know, as I say, we we don't need to get much beyond uh, one to well two three percent of of the world's pool. So look, that's a that's a big number. Um, but ultimately, where we sit currently, if we can expand the pool, then frankly, we can expand our contributions to racing, and that's 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 the significant. Uh, what are your mandatory contributions to racing, insofar as the agreement stands at the moment? So we have shown a financial model that works for us, yeah, and and it's been very much accepted by the sport and, and the partners um, we've been working with, whether it be Britbet or, or Media Rights Partners. So that clearly is a, is a relationship that's that's symbiotic, symbiotic and, and works well. Um, you know that that is set up two ways. One is a, uh, a, a contribution towards Britbet. Um, Britbet, just, just just to just to clarify, so Britbet is the organisation, the umbrella name for the fifty-five partner racecourses. Yeah. So that doesn't include Ascot. The fifty-five partner racecourses who are the um, on-course operators of the tote, effectively. Exactly. So that that contribution goes into racecourses and then gets just distributed from there. Um, it's then a the obligatory levy levy contribution beyond that. So you know there are two very very big channels of of money flow that that are driven by the size of the pool. So, so. Every, everything that is bet on course goes straight back into Britbet to the sport. Correct. And you are essentially the facilitator 
for that. So you're, you're, you're creating the product that they're selling on course, but everything that's made on course goes back into the sport, yes? Correct, correct. And off course, you're paying a standard horse race betting levy. Yeah, on and your, on top of that, on top your of that, profits. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. on top of that, there are, there are off, off course contributions that go back to the sport as well, again, through the same model and agreement as, as we have with BritBet. So you're, you're subject to the same media rights agreements and the exactly. same levy agreements exactly. As, exactly. as any of the fixed odds firms? Yeah. I think there was a lot of simplifying the model. It was tremendously complex um, in how we were going to um, fit in with racing's financial model. So there's a lot of sort of demystifying and bringing mm. it together, to your point, making it a lot more straightforward. And in terms of how you're going to sort of drive the business initially, uh, how, how low are you going to make that takeout in order to try and drive business and get people in? Yeah. Well, I don't, it's not a question really of, of driving the takeout lower. I think, I think it's just a question of, of being respectful yeah. to the consumer. Yeah. And I think when you sit down and you, you, know, you look at the case of the Grand National, and dare I say, you look at the case of any big field event, the tote is tremendously competitive. You know, look at the over round you have in, in you know, the Grand National overall. It's up around sort of 65% takeout. Mm. And when the, the totes takeout is below 20%, um, you know, you see that we're very, very competitive in that environment. But the challenge is... Yeah, that's an interesting example to use. <laughs> uh, you're not going to roll that example out across the, across the board. So not what, at all. So what's the takeout going to be? We're not, we're not, we, we've got a lot of work, we've got a lot of data to look through, but I think it's, you know, there's no commitment to a specific takeout because I think that'd be crass. And I think we've got to work on bringing in, you know, what worked during Royal Ascot was 17.5% takeout. Mm. So that was tremendously effective. And I think, you know, the returns to, to, to customers during Royal Ascot was significantly better than SP. You know, if, if you'd had a bet on each race during Royal Ascot, you were significantly better off with, with um, bet with Ascot, with, with the tote. So we've got to just be respectful to the, to the, to the event we're pricing up. Um, that's, you know, it goes from one event to the next, and they're all very, very different. As we know, a three-runner race is very different to a 40-runner race at Aintree. And so now you've reached a position of some unity, which is a massive step forward from where you were when what you originally were called, which was at the Alizetti Consortium, and, yeah. and uh, BritBet were not fighting, but mm. sort of trying to occupy roughly the same space. So now we're familiar with the relationship between you. But again, we've got a situation where there is a certain amount of disunity because you've got Chester Bet that stand outside the on-course pool betting operation. Yeah. Bangor Bet the same. Presumably Muscle Bet when Chester start running, that will be the same. Yeah. And Ascot Bet, which you are operating not only, you're not only facilitating their off-course betting, but you're actually operating their on-course pool as well. So how does that all work for the benefit of the industry? Um, well, I think the, the, the BritBet situation has demystified a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, simply put, we're, we're running the off-course piece and, and racecourse is running the on-course piece. I think for us to, to be um, you know, entrusted with, with everything is, you know... But, you know you're, but you're driving the product, aren't we're, you? We're driving the product. So literally what we do is we, you know, we go away, we listen to, as I say, listen to the, the data... And we've got some very smart people doing that who and, and we've invested an inordinate amount, you know, in you know, analysing that and, and you know bring it out in a much, much more we think much more interesting way. Um, and you know, there are listening to international yeah. partners. Yeah. I think I think what what strikes me is amazing is you look at UK racing, you go around the international community and we do a great job at beating ourselves up, you know. 
and walking around Ascot yesterday, you know, tons of people come up to you from the international community, and you said Dennis on just now. You yeah, know, Ascot's a brilliant event, amazing. You know, UK horse racing. I mean, why do every single other jurisdiction the world over name their big races after our big races? Yeah. You know, the respect towards UK horse racing is amazing. So, what are we? You know, I think to your point, we've brought a lot of people together. Um, and we've kind of tried to make them appreciate what we're hearing is like tremendously positive. Um, what have they got in their offering internationally? Uh, an, an absolute obsession with UK horse racing, yeah. you know. And and within that, you know, they want to have a bet on UK horse racing. So what we're doing is, you know, commingling the pools to make it much much more easy for them to have a royal Ascot experience where they can bet on UK horse racing, and that is to our benefit enormously, to the point whereby, you know. Hopefully, going forward, we won't be less than one percent of the global pool, providing you know thirty percent or twenty-five percent of yeah. the world's group ones. It feels a very sort of unfair balance, dare I say. So much more I want to talk to you about, and I know you're staying with us for a little while. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. Before the, the break and before we spoke to Paul, I was with Alex Frost, the CEO of The Tote, who is still with us, alongside uh, Rafe Beckett and Neil Channing. And, and Alex, we, we, you were talking about the, the new 10 to follow competition for the National Hunt season, something you're obviously very excited to, to launch. And that is coming in now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say surname would be one of my picks after that. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and he's owned a part <coughs> of your, your investment Absolutely. Team. No, he's a very, very enthusiastic guy uh, when it comes to the jumps. Um, and he's a big part of the, the nickel stable and he's got some very exciting horses this year so we'll be listening to what he has to say when we're doing our selections anyway So Neil, you were listening to, to, to Alex before we went to, to Paul uh, from, from your point of view how big a part can pool betting play, especially given what you were saying about the future of betting shops and so forth? Well, I mean, I guess in a way it doesn't really have to play a huge part because it start, they're starting from such a low base. If they could mm. just double the activity that they're doing now, uh, I'm sure they'll be reasonably happy with that and uh, pretty happy, I would think. But, uh, reasonably. Yeah, reasonably <laughs> happy. So, I mean, you know, you kind of sort of say, well, you can't, you can't get much worse, can it, than it has has been over the last few years. Um, we were having a little chat earlier about you know the whole thing about the ecology of uh, you know the betting market. It's you know on my experience of poker and also I'm, you know I've spent rather too much of my life staring at Betfair. Mm -hmm. um, you know the exchange model it, it, they had a thing whereby. Uh, you know, it was a kind of free-for-all at the start. We don't really care who wins. It's absolutely fine. You know, the winners pay the losers and everyone's happy. And then suddenly the operator realised that you've got, like, one big Tony Bloom that's sucking, you know, he needs about 600 people a week just to feed him, and they're having to pay all this money to attract these people, and that's very expensive. Um, and I think the tote, you know, can have the same problem that you, in, in other countries they've perhaps bent over backwards a little bit uh, to large players, giving them rebates and whatever. Um, and they haven't made a long-term business plan, which is to attract recreational punters of a smaller denomination. Uh, which is what you need to have a healthy ecosystem. If you only have large players. 
uh, well, they just really want to play when there are overlays, when there are big carryovers, that kind of thing, when there are big guarantees. Uh, they're not really going to start off your play spot and get it running. Uh, and you need, you know, little grannies with their two quid lines to do that. And to have that, you need fans. So, you're, so the, the onus on you is to help the industry create the fan base. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the, the level of investment in, in that consumer offering, mm. dare I say, has been wanting for, for a long, long time. And, and you know, government-owned organisations aren't renowned for, 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 for that necessarily. And, and so we've got a long sort of period of history to overcome slightly. Um, but, you know, as we were outlining, uh, outlining earlier, there's huge opportunity when we bring in the international community, when we start to really... You know, make it a much more attractive proposition to, for, for all concerned. I think you know we come at it. There's a huge advantage here in, in not losing when when, cons, mm. when customers mm. win, and, and we've got to really recognise that and, and embrace that. And you know, the amount of data we can provide, the amount of you know insight and interest in the sport. You know, we are you know very much focused on the racing game. Are very much focused on the pool game. I don't think there's anybody out, else out there who has that much focus by any stretch of imagination. So, you know, within that environment, we've got a real chance to to bring people into racing and to really, you know, you look at the next generation of, of, of betters, they're, they, they're very data-driven, you know, and presenting data in the right way is something that the tote hasn't done for a long, long time. So, you know, a really good digital offering and a really sort of you know, symbiotic relationship with with um, bits of professional punters, or you know, all that environment. But crucially, recognising that the UK consumer needs something much better than they've had historically. Rafe, what's your um, view on 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 the tote and and how it might drive the sport forward? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't really um, so, a subject that I'm. Particularly qualified to speak on. Uh, this Nick. hasn't stopped you in the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's a low blow. I know, but it was an open goal. <laughs> it was sitting up and begging. <clears throat> I think potentially it's a, it's a game changer because, as, as Alex said, you know, the toad has been under mm. underfed for many, many years, and uh, I hope very much. I think the sport is, is crucially important for the sport that, that, that this works and I, I believe it will mm-hmm. and uh, once it starts to work I think uh, the sport will benefit hugely as a result in my view And do you feel that you've had the support that you might have expected from the industry? I think, yeah Or has it been a struggle? Look there's, there's been a lot to sort out. I don't think. Um, I think when it comes to horsemen, I mean, I'm you know, obsessed by the racing game. So, you know, I've had, dare I say, good relationships with those sort of people for a long, long time. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a complex puzzle to, to piece together. And and for us to come in, you know, it was definitely a mistake. You know, calling ourselves Alizetti. That was a very average horse that I owned that's currently running in Denmark. But. Um, you know, I think you know, the people we've got behind this now, hopefully, mm. is testament to kind of you know the reception we've we've had um, certainly more recently, where people are starting to see kind of how effective it could be. And I, and I go back to you when you when you travel around the world mm. and race, you know, got sort of plenty of international horses. When you go to those jurisdictions, you start to really appreciate things they do really really well. And dare I say, pool betting is is one of them. And, and I think the excitement you get from going to you know Happy Valley 
it, one one piece of it is the horses going around the track, but but another part of it is the data and the excitement around you know who's picking what. Yeah, and, and the sheer amount of money in those pools. It's ex- do think, extraordinary. Do you think you that like yeah. different punters and different jurisdictions have different ways of playing? Like, I read something about the American market with sports betting recently that in Kentucky. The average number of games that people put into a bet is eight, an eight-fold accumulator. And obviously, in uh, you know, we've got massive pools in Hong Kong because people like the real exotic bets. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the UK, you know, quite a lot of tote betting, which which is a low level, is just win and place, and you know, quite boring, really. Can you change the UK punters to make them yeah, more into was, that yeah, kind of thing? Is that an easy good job to do? Well, I must have missed that bit. I was off doing Instagram. Yeah, I, think you, I think you were fiddling around yeah. with social media. That quite so no, I think I mean, we, we saw it change, right? During, mm. during Whirlpool, um, you saw things happen that we've never seen in this country mm. before. Yeah. Um, you know, a swinger bet was, you know, suddenly it was a million pound pool. Yeah, yeah. And that suddenly was interesting for me. I didn't, you know, really yeah. heard of a swinger bet before then and, and how interesting it could be. You know, there's huge intrigue. Although I think all sports have benefited from globalization in mm. terms of the intrigue you can bring, in terms of you know how cosmopolitan you can make the audience and the races. You know, I think that. that well, I definitely, me is much the, more I definitely think the younger punters in the UK, you know, like people are really into football betting sure. more than horse racing. Horse racing is the aging demographic, really, for punters. I mean, it doesn't have mm. to necessarily... It's not inevitable that that's going to happen. It, we, that can be changed, mm. but it, that is the way it is at the moment. And, you know, the football betting has moved to this request-to-bet stuff, you know, small stakes, big wins, mm-hmm. m- multiples within a game, you know, are they going to have how many corners in the first half, who's going to score three goals in the second half, mm. and all that kind of thing, multiplied up. I, I think that's actually what the younger people want, you know. And but that that obviously that means you've got to get volume. You need a lot of punters. Yeah, yeah I mean it's, it's what the data is telling us. Mm. You know, they they don't you know they don't really want to just go to a window and say right, uh, you know, two pound at evens. Yeah. Exactly, that doesn't really appeal to them. And, mm. and what's football betting been driven by? It's been driven by the fancy league, yeah. the real yeah. involvement, and yeah. getting people closer to the sport. I think is so important. Mm. You know, if you've got a tent to follow, and you know, you can follow those horses mm. absolutely religiously throughout the whole season. It's great fun. You know, when I'm watching race horses run at Ascot, they're kind of my horses at that stage. And you bring yourself very much closer. Send with the bill. Send him a But, you, you know, bringing people closer to the product is, is massively what we stand for and becoming real specialists at it as well. Alex, thank you. We are out of time for this part of the programme. But I, uh, the fortune favours the brave, and here's a man who's done extremely well in the city who uh, has decided to put a lot of it into a stud farm, so that's brave to start with. Mad. Uh, and and is, now, is now investing heavily in pool betting, so all power to you, and I hope it, I hope it works well for Thanks, you and for the industry. Appreciate it. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.